Good morning, Creek Church. Uh, no matter where you're joining us from uh, this morning, whether you're watching online or you're right here in London, or maybe you're at one of our campuses, Somerset, uh, Williamsburg, or Middlesbrough, we are so glad uh, that you're joining us today. Uh, for those of you in the room, because I know we have a lot of guests with all those children up here, uh, my name's Nate, and I'm, I'm, I'm just one of the pastors around here. And I know what you're thinking. I was hoping for Pastor Trevor. I know, we're all swimming in a sea of disappointment. Me too, okay, all right? So don't, don't feel bad. Here's my promise to you. If today's not good, just come back next week because he'll be back next week. So, and if it is good, that's great. Just come back next week and the normal guy will be here and all is, all is cared for. So, hey, uh, we are really glad that you're here. And, you know, uh, this series, we started last week. We were right in the middle of it, uh, Letters to the Next Generation. And we asked some um, trusted members of an older generation of faith to kind of share some of their advice, some of their wisdom, uh, maybe some words of warning, words of challenge uh, to us and the next generation. Uh, maybe to help us. And last week, if you weren't here, you can go back and watch the whole thing. I'll give you a quick point, one point uh, summary of it. Uh, we talked about be careful what you chase after because when you catch it, you might find out you didn't, you didn't want it to begin with. I grew up in Alabama and I had some friends that chased possums and that's what they found out. They caught the possum. They didn't, they didn't really want it to begin with. Uh, so, uh, and then next week with Pastor Trevor being back, he's going to give us some words of challenge. And we're going to talk about not being a snowflake. Yes, you heard that right. Not being a snowflake, as in we need some strength. We need some plunk and grit, as we say, down from Alabama. That's where I grew up and, you know, in the fight song, it's plunk and grit. And we need that in faith. You need plunk and you need grit and you need to be strong. So uh, this week, we're going to give you some words of wisdom, okay? Words of wisdom, I think they're going to help you set you up for the content that we covered in week one and week three uh, very well. Uh, so before we get to that though, I want, us, I want us to think, have you ever played the game, what if? The what if game, that's what I call it. I don't know what you call it, but it, it, it goes like this. What if I won the lottery, right? What would I do with that money? And I, you know, I thought one, I'd be shocked because I don't, I don't buy lottery tickets. But if I did, and I did win it, the first thing I would do would give to my church. So JB, wherever you're at, that would, you would get a check for me uh, for my church because I feel like that's the first thing you should do with any money that comes in. And then secondly, I would pay off all of our debt. And then third, I would spend the rest of it trying to find somebody that could get me on at Augusta National to pay, play 18 holes. Um, and then uh, that, that, would be, that would be the first three. And then there, there, there's this one. What if, you know, what if I had three wishes? And most of us, it would be, I wish we won the lottery. And then you just go through the whole thing again, you know, right? I, I wish Alabama had beat Tennessee. I would rewind that. But Kentucky's got a chance this week, so I'm for you. Go Big Blue. Uh, <laughs> And then my third wish would be to play 18 holes at Augusta. You see a theme here? Okay. Um, but the last one, the last what if game I came up with, I was like, what if I had a time machine? What, what would I do with that kind of power? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this, right? That's what you're thinking. That's what you got on your mind as far as a time machine. Would I go back to my past self and, and, and you know, I why, why I would do that. You can't even do anything, but okay, maybe I should go to my future self and, and find out, hey, what should I avoid in life, right? And what should I take on in life? What are some lessons you can teach me, future me, the preferred future of me, hopefully? What can you teach me that, that I can avoid a life to get to a place where I want to be? Um, and then we can, we can get into quantum physics and time travel, but I, I don't actually believe time travel's real for those in the room. Um, but I do think time travel is possible to a certain extent. 
And I'm not talking about a vehicle like this. I'm talking about a vehicle you can use to learn life's lessons uh, to get to your preferred future. I'm not talking about a car. I'm talking about other people. I'm talking about a mentor, someone that you can go to that's lived life, that has a little more experience than you, that has been in places that maybe you want to go, that you can learn from them and avoid some of the mistakes maybe they made. Because finding a mentor or a coach or a leader or whatever you wanna call it, it has the ability to set us up for the future that we want for ourselves because we can learn from them. And you can ask them for their help and, and most likely those individuals are willing to give it to you. Because the realization for me, and maybe this is something you've uh, come across as well, I've bumped into this over and over, life is full of firsts, right? Life is a continual march into the unknown. On a day-to-day -day basis, we don't know what new challenges will come our way. It's the daily exercise of figuring it out as you go. I mean, we had some new parents up here. Some of them weren't new, some of them, but, but new parentings, I mean, you, you show up at a hospital with a pregnant wife, you have a child, they, they tell you some stuff that you don't remember because you've been up for hours, right? And they give you a baby and say, bye. They don't give you a manual. You don't have to take a test. They don't give you a license. There's no certificate. They just let you leave, right? That's a first, right? Now you're a parent and your job is, how do I keep this thing alive, right? That's your main task, all right? So parenting is one of those things. It's a first. All of us have done it for the first, or some of us have done that for the first time. And there, there's countless others, but over and over in my life, I've found myself in situations where I had no idea how to navigate those situations or how to get through those situations. And as life goes on, you continually face new challenges, no matter how old you get. So this content today, what we're talking about, it's an all skate. It's for everybody because we all face new challenges. And that's kind of the bad news. Life is full of new challenges, but there's some good news, okay? And the good news is this. The new challenges you will face in life are only new to you. Like life is full of people further along in life than you. And that's a good thing. That we don't have to walk through this life alone by in facing new challenges. We don't have to learn the hard way by figuring it out, although that's what our culture teaches us, that we should be independent and figure it out on our own. It can be better for you if you're willing to ask for help. You can get to your preferred future, and no matter what that preferred future is, you can achieve it by asking from others to help you get there. Whether it's you want just to be a better person, a, be a better husband or wife, a better dad or mother, an employee, a better employer, how about that one? You, you just want to be better with your money. You wanna have financial stability when you get over, older. And here's one I think that applies, should apply to all of us. Maybe you just wanna be a better Jesus follower. That's something important that we all need to grow in. And here's what we need to understand. Moving toward your preferred future means finding someone who is already there. And that's what a mentor gives you, a time machine into your future because you will never reach your full potential without tapping into the wisdom of others. You can't get there. In fact, some of the most famous people that you know, they had people ahead of them with more experience that they tapped into that wisdom. You've heard the name Warren Buffett. He's a gazillionaire, right? He's got more money than he probably knows what to do with. But Warren Buffett didn't just wake up a gazillionaire. 
okay? Have you ever heard the name Benjamin Graham? No, you've not. But Benjamin Graham was the mentor of Warren Buffett. He was a professor. And he actually employed Warren for a while. So Benjamin gave Warren some, uh, some information that was important to his future. Um, how about this one, Oprah? Like she's so famous, she doesn't even need a last name, right? Her, her mentor, Maya Angelou. Anybody heard of her? She's a poet, an author, I've, I've heard of her, but I would, I would guess that half the room probably doesn't even know who that is, right? But, but she was able to teach Oprah the power of words. How about this one? I think one we can all relate to, Luke Skywalker, right? Luke Skywalker, he had Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda, okay? Obi-Wan taught him what the force was. Yoda taught him how to use the force, okay? There's a common theme here. You had either older people that were able to pass on wisdom to them or more life experience to people that were able to pass things on to the next generation. So our hope is that you will find some people that are ahead of you and develop a relationship with them so that you can get to your preferred future because you're not gonna get to where you want to get to on your own. And, and in reality, when we look at the scriptures, it was never intended to be that way anyway. We were always intended to lean on one another for their wisdom. In fact, all throughout the Proverbs, that, that's what Proverbs is, it's just wisdom, it's wisdom. But all throughout the Proverbs, we find it time and time again of the importance of in listening to and finding people with more experience than us. How about this one? Instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. That's Proverbs 9, 9. How about Proverbs 13? It says this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Or Proverbs 15, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed, right? Uh, Proverbs 20, 18, it says this, Plans succeed through good counsel, but don't go to war without wise advice. That's parenting right there, right? Because some days it feels like war, right? And the only person that you're hoping is surviving is you, okay? Um, that, that's just life. Uh, here's one we all know, Proverbs 27, it says this, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So all throughout the Proverbs, you find that, that, that wisdom, that, that encouraging of you to go and find someone ahead of you. Uh, then there's the New Testament. In Hebrews, it says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. That's helpful. And, and then there's Paul. And we're going to spend the rest of our day talking about Paul and some things he, he brings to the table when it comes to looking for a mentor. But he says this. I myself am convinced. And listen, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with knowledge and competent. Okay, I can't say that about everyone, but I'm pretty confident that in this room, there are competent people, okay? Because we've got competent people at this church, all right? So they are filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. So Paul believed that we should help one another to grow and to get better. And Paul, he practiced what he preached. I mean, we know Paul's story, right? Paul shows up on the pages of scripture and he is no friend of Jesus. And he, in fact, he is an enemy of the good news that he is out killing Christians because they are going a different direction than God wanted them to. Well, 
We know the story that Paul comes into contact with Jesus on the road to Damascus and it changes his life forever. And he would learn from guys like Peter and Barnabas. And then he would go on to teach others like Silas and Timothy. And he would be an encourager and a mentor to those people. And he would help them get by in life. And what we're going to talk about today is a story or a passage out of 1 Thessalonians. And Paul would show up there uh, to bring the good news. And what we know is he spent some time there mentoring and teaching. And he had to leave in a hurry because they were being heavily persecuted. And he didn't have time to really build the foundation he wanted. Uh, But what he found out after a few years is that this church, it was not only growing, it was thriving. And he wanted to write to them a letter of encouragement to tell them to to keep on going, keep growing. And in that passage, I think there are some qualities for us as the next generation that we need to look into when it comes to qualities that we should look for in a mentor. And I think Silas and Timothy, who would have been with him in in Thessalonica, it's harder than it looked, right? And they would have been with them there. They would have saw this firsthand. And here's, here's what the passage says from 1 Thessalonians 2. It says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. As in Paul, he had a special relationship with these people. He wasn't there just, you know, as a professional, right? He was there because he cared for them. He had a message for them. And he says, because, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Like, we didn't just come to preach at you. We, we came to, to do something for you and give something to you. I, I mean, I lived with you, Paul would say. I had dinner with you. I, I knew your kids. And they knew Paul, right? And he says, surely, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardships. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. Like, we're not here to sell you anything, right? We, we just want to share our lives with you. We just want to share the hope that we have with you. You are witnesses. And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Like you saw how we lived among you when we were there. You knew us. We were open. We were honest. We were authentic. And, and for you, you knew that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Now, for Paul, this was personal because he had given part of his life to it. And and he loved these people so much and he cared for these people so much, he wanted them to understand that he was for them. And there are some things that stick out in this passage. And we're going to go back through and look at three things, I think, that are very important when you're looking for a mentor or looking for someone that's ahead of you in life or whatever you're looking for. If you're just looking for advice, you, could, you should find these things in that person because I think they can help us get to the places we want to go. So three qualities we're going to take a look at on a mentor. The first one is this, candor with compassion. That Paul, he practiced candor with compassion. Look at, look at verse seven. It says this. Jesus, uh, whew, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. Now, moms, you know this. This is a very intimate thing. It's a very close thing. Proximity is required for a mom that is nursing. Like a child cannot 
exist on their own. They need their mother. They're dependent on a mother for everything at the infant stage. And as a mother, she's meeting a need. And Paul, that's what he's saying, that we were there to meet a need. And this closeness, this relationship, it, it, it's, it matters. And this is an exhausting relationship. When we had our first child, uh, Riley, she's 10 now. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be the dad that supported my wife. So when she would get up in the middle of the night, which felt like a thousand times a night, I would get up with her and that lasted for about a week. And after about five days, hey, easy. She gave me permission. I'm getting there. Wait. After about five days, I, I got up, you know, and had Riley with me and I noticed Elizabeth wasn't there and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And, and I go out to the living room and she's sitting in a rocking chair, rocking. I was like, baby, you got to come back to bed. And she was like, I'm feeding Riley. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've got Riley. And she looks up at me and says, Nathan, I'm feeding Riley. And I looked down and I had a pillow. Okay. Now, I don't know what it's like to be a mother, but I can tell you from the father's side, it was exhausting those five days. And then she was like, don't just, just give up. Just, just go to bed. You don't have to get up. And I took her advice and did that. So being a mother, I can't imagine the exhaustion that comes with that. And Paul, he's saying this kind of relationship that we have, it took a lot out of me, but, but I wanted to give it because I cared for you. And this church, they needed Paul. And then Paul he, he kind of balances that image of a mother with this one. Later on in verse 11, he says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, right? Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Now, this word urging, it, it, it literally means you've got, you've got compassion of a mother, and you've got the urging and encouragement of a father. And it's this idea of candor, this idea of direct honesty. There is a relationship there that everything is built on, but in that relationship, you can be open and honest and you can say the hard things that need to be said. That's a lot of problems with a lot of us Christians. We don't build a foundation to say the hard things we need to say. We just say the hard things, right? We typically have one or the other. We either have candor or we have compassion and they get us in a lot of trouble. But, but this idea is, is, is truth that's wrapped in love. It's wrapped in a relationship that they can say the hard thing that you need to hear, but it's the hard thing you need to hear to grow. And as a father, that, that's your position. You've got to build that relationship so you can say the hard things. And the second one is this. You, so you have candor and then you have, they, they opened up their lives. They, they openly shared their lives with these people. Paul says this in verse eight, he says, so we cared for you because we loved you. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. As in, we shared everything with you. And we've got to understand, okay? There were no Christians at this time. There were no Christians at this season in, 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 in faith. There were just Jews that had joined this cult. And, and Paul, he shows up and he's the only one there in Thessalonica that is a Christian. They didn't have that terminology again. But he shows up as a Jesus follower. And when Paul shows up, he, he had to show them the way to live. And he had to be like, hey, this is what it looks like 
to follow Jesus. This is what, this is how you walk. This is how you talk. This is how you do business. This is how you parent. This is how you be a husband. Paul was the model for every individual in Thessalonica. And he was very open with his life. And he says, surely you remember, surely you remember this. Our toil and our hardships, we work night and day in order to be, not be a burden. Because people would show up and they just, wanted, they just wanted their money. They wouldn't do anything. They would just, because they had a message, they were expected that you were supposed to just give them money, right? But Paul, he didn't do it that way. He showed up and he worked hard. And he goes on to say that you are witnesses of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. As in, you saw how we behaved with you. You watched us and Silas and Timothy, they would have been there right along with him, watching him do this, watching him live out his faith. That, that he would work hard not to be a burden on these people. Because most of us, we know this, maybe we know this, that Paul wasn't just a preacher, he was a tent maker. So he would roll into town and he would set up shop and he would make and repair tents and he would probably hire people within the community to come and help him. And those people most likely would become the first followers of the way, the first followers of Jesus. And they would literally sit there and witness Paul and his life and how he lived in front of people, how he treated his customers, how he handled idiots. And he probably wouldn't call them idiots, but they would stand there and they would see everything that he had to offer them. He was willing to show his authentic self to them, warts and all. And for Paul, that's what built the foundation for him to speak with candor to these people. And then third, we need to look for this. We needed somebody that's guided by a greater goal. Paul says this in verse 12, that we should live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. This, this live lives worthy, right? In some translation, it says to walk worthy. As in live in such a way that people take notice that you are different from everyone else. And I'd have to say that sometimes the church has done a poor job of that. That oftentimes we look just like everyone else but we don't live in a way, we don't walk worthy in a way that people, when they see us, they know there's something different about us. Because Paul here, he wanted, he wanted their beliefs to be visible by the way that they behaved. That as Christians, as Jesus followers, we don't live like everyone else. We live like we're part of the kingdom of God. And when we go out into the world, we bring the kingdom of God with us. We bring the kingdom values with us. We bring the kingdom way of living with us. And Paul, he was trying to do this in a Roman world that was very harsh. He was trying to teach these Christians. These, these are the things we should do. When we go into the world, we should show grace. We should show love. And we should sacrifice our lives just like our Savior has for us. So I have all these things. Paul didn't want for them success. He didn't want for them money. He didn't want them to buy that new car or that new home. And those aren't bad things. Paul had one priority. He wanted them to look like Jesus. So if you're looking for a mentor, you need these three things. 
You need someone that's willing to practice candor with compassion, that's open with their lives, they're authentic and honest about who they are, and they're guided by a greater goal, which is helping you become more like Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how do I go about finding someone that would mentor me? Ask. You, you ask. Here, here's a question for you. Where do you want to grow? Where do you want to grow? Take five seconds and think about what area do I feel like I need to grow at? Do I need to be a better dad? Do, do I need to be a better husband? These are just things that come into my mind. Do I need to be a better husband? Do, do, do I need to be a better pastor? Do I need to work on my finances? Do I need to, you know, uh, work on my marriage? Do I need to grow my faith? What is it that you need to grow in? And then look for people that are where you'd like to be. And then ask them to lunch one day. Just ask them and have some questions set aside that you could say, hey, you know, I've got this going on in my life. I was just, I was just wanting to seek your advice. You don't have to tell them, hey, you're my mentor, all right? Just be willing to ask. I mean, we live in a culture where we have access to more information than you could ever do anything with. I mean, there's books, there's audiobooks, there's podcasts. Those are great starting places. But I think the power of having another individual in your life to help you move forward can't be substituted. So ask, find somebody. What, why would you not want to train under someone that's a, a good father? If I just want to get better as a dad, why wouldn't I find somebody who, who hey, they look like they do it pretty well. What, what do you do with your family? What do you do with your kids? How do you help encourage them? How do you encourage them to grow their faith? It's as simple as asking. And we live in a culture where we feel like we have to do everything on our own. That was never intended the way it was meant to be. We were always meant to lean and rely on one another. And the only thing that will prevent you from taking advantage of their knowledge is pride. This pride that feels like you have to do it all on your own. But here's what we need to do. Life is better, or here's what we need to know. Life is better when you learn from those who have gone before. Life is better when we can learn from people that have been further down the road because we can learn faster and we can avoid the mistakes they avoided. So, what could your life be like if you leveraged someone else's knowledge to get to your preferred future? Father, we're so grateful. We're so thankful that you would put um, these things in the scriptures, that you would point us in a direction that we wouldn't have to live this life alone, that we wouldn't have to be, we wouldn't have to figure it out as we go, that you've provided for us the greatest te teaching mechanism that we could have, and that's other people, other people that are further along in life, other people with more experience in life. Father, and no matter where we are, no matter how old we are, no matter how experienced we think we are, there is always something for us to learn. Help us to give, help give us an attitude of humility and a willingness to learn from others. Because when we do, it can change our lives. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name.